And Friday night, I had a little imbalance. I had abundance of, guess what, snow. I had a lack of proper equipment to handle this particular snow. I got out there and thought, well, how do you eat, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? My, my big snow plow that I usually go out there and just wasn't working at all. So I made a path down one side and I made a path down the other side of the driveway and I was glad that I had to go in and eat supper. Uh, but I had an abundance of snow and I had a lack, I had a lack of like, it was hurting. Is there anyone else feeling that snow? Oh my goodness, it was, it was heavy and it was, it was a big job. So I had this imbalance, I had this imbalance and then I finally got this idea to call this friend of mine who actually, guess what? has a snowplow. And so I'm out there. Uh, step two, I had my reinforcements come out there. My wife was out there. And we had just started, and all of a sudden, this big pickup truck shows up with the flashing lights and everything. And, and it was just a beautiful sound in my ears. That zzz, 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 zzz. I heard that. I heard that. He just started. And then he, he came up in the driveway, and, and he rolled down the window, and he goes, why didn't you call me before? And so this, this is so real about how we go through life and God gives us this opportunity to bless us. And many, many times we, we stay with what we have because we don't want to ask for help. We don't want to ask anyone to help us. We don't want to, we don't want to think that we're dependent on anyone. And so we live in this, in this kind of uh, really poverty spirit. We, talk, we talked about it last week. And you know, no one, no one talked to me about this in church when I was growing up. No one warned me that like, hey, Fritz, there's this thing you're going to experience in life. And it's many times not true. It's many times not true. Jesus, all the way through the Bible, says, take your yoke upon me. Trust in me. I will provide for you. Many, many times through the Bible, this Jesus is speaking words to us about abundance, how he's given us everything we need for life and salvation, and we conclude otherwise. No one, no one told me that in my life that there's going to be something like a virus that, uh, that, that I could catch, and if I'm, not, if I'm not careful, that could take over my body and create a, a lot of problems in my life. No one told me about the poverty spirit. Last week we talked about the, the dangers of the, of the poverty spirit. We talked about how the poverty spirit actually is erosive. It, it's, it, has, it has erosion-like properties, like the, like, the, like the little slab you see up there in the corner and then down to the house there, where it's just eroded away the whole entire bank. The poverty spirit takes a little bit of dirt away little bit of dirt, little bit of dirt, and then all that water starts rushing down, starts rutting, and then it can do incredible damage. That's what the poverty spirit does. So last week we talked about the dangers of the poverty spirit. And we use this, that's actually a picture of a flu virus there. Uh, the poverty spirit affects both rich and poor. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're rich, doesn't matter if you're poor, you can have the poverty spirit. It's different, but there's plenty of poor people. And Ben, I know you've seen this down in Guatemala. I've seen very, very poor people who are happier 
and better adjusted than very, very wealthy people, especially in developing countries. Not everybody. It's not a catch-all. It's just something that's easily observable, especially when you leave the U.S. But it's like, it's like this virus that takes over, and then you think, oh, well, everyone just gets it. Did you know that not everyone knew that you got colds from like not washing your hands? Did you know that just a few generations ago, that wasn't a thing? People in London would drink out of the Thames River and then wonder why they got sick. Can you believe that? Isn't that unbelievable that just like a hundred and some years ago, they didn't know that there was germs. They didn't know that there was something like that in the water. They didn't know. And the poverty spirit, like that last picture, is like a mindset with a weight. It's, a, it's, it's on your mind and it weighs you down. And, and this person is straining forward and they don't understand why it's so hard to walk. And Jesus says, I want to give you life. I want to set you free from that poverty spirit. And so last week we talked about the dangers of the poverty spirit and we ended up with this simple saying, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And so we have this, we have the Bible and how is the Bible supposed to help us with our, with our daily life? How can, how can stories about someone, someone or a group of people that happened thousands of years ago actually impact our life? Do you think we could try to see if we could find something there? Does anyone, is everyone in? How about if we take a look? Let's take a look at, at Numbers 13. If you, wanna, if you wanna open up the Bible in your pew, it's on page um, 100. It's on page 121. We're gonna start uh, in, Rome, in Romans. We're gonna start in Numbers 13, verse 17. Uh, if, you're, if you're using this Bible or if you're using your device, uh, it's, on the, it's on the column on the, on the right page down there at the bottom, verse 17. We're going to read this story. It's going to be a little long, but it's a great story. This is a very, very important story of the Bible. It's important for us to understand as a people, as a church. It's also important for us to understand as individuals. So we're just going to read this story and just let the story kind of take us through to the conclusions that God's going to show us. So let's start here. In verse 17, Moses, who's the leader of the Israelites, sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up into the Negeb and up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many. Now this land was a land that God already promised all the way back to Abraham hundreds of years before they had known that this land was promised to them. And now they were about to go up in it and check it out. Verse 19, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. And this is a land where Jacob came from. If you remember the story of Jacob, who was the descendant of, of, of Abraham, they left this land because there was a famine in the land, ended up in Egypt in slavery. 400 years later, they were out of Egypt and heading back into this promised land. Everyone say promised land. But we're gonna see something very interesting about God's promises about God's promised land, there's something that we might say is a catch, 
okay? Let's, let's look for it. So they went up, the, the spies. Now, I didn't go through all those people, but there was 12, 12 men that were chosen from the, tw- from the 12 tribes of Israel. They were sent out to go up and spy out the land. There was 12 of them. And so they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob near Labo Hamath. They went up from the Negev and came to Hebron, Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai. The descendants of Anak were there. Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came to the valley of Eshkol and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes. And they carried it on a pole between two of them. They also brought some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster that the people of Israel cut down from there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. So the 12 guys came back and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. And this is where it turns. So they said everything that God said about the land They brought back the fruit. They brought it back on a stick, a cluster of grapes. That must have been a huge cluster of grapes because they had to carry it on a pole in between two people. So this land was incredibly fruitful. And here's here's where it turns in verse 28. However, the people who dwell on the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Malachites dwell in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the hill country and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the Jordan. You can just feel it. This is happening. It's just kind of like raising up like a fevered pitch. And then it turns back again. Caleb, one of the 12 guys, quieted the people. He's like, quiet down, quiet down. Because this is what they're saying. But then you could tell everyone was murmuring before Moses and, and, and Caleb said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. And then, verse 31, the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land, though, which we have gone to spy it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And it just goes on and on. And the sad part about this story is that what happened is the people rebelled in chapter 14. The the congregation raised this loud cry and all the people wept that night. Now, there was 10 people who saw one thing and two people who saw another. Did they all say the same? Did they all see the same thing? Yes. But they came to very different conclusions. So one we could say had a had a spirit of poverty or lack or not enough. The other one said, "Hey, we can do this. We can go up and take it." But the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Wow, go back to slavery? Go back to a yoke of of beating and working and not, not, not growing? 
Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of among those, son of Nun and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And as it concludes, the whole people of Israel wanted to kill Joshua and Caleb for a different report. And they wanted to go back to Egypt. This is actually, actually after God did all these miracles to get them out. And then they wanted to go back because of how they saw everything. When you think about God, this is how God works. He reveals something, God does something, and then he wants us to respond. And so there's, God, has a, God has us on this journey where there's a pattern of God revealing. Everyone say reveal. And then we respond, say respond. So God reveals some truth to us. He brought the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery. And then he says, I'm gonna give you this promised land, but there's a catch to it, right? I'm gonna give you this promised land. This is a gift, it's so great, it's so incredible. But we can see that when they went up in there, they saw two different things. And, and you know, this journey with God is somewhat like this, where, where just like in this picture, this person is, you know, you start out this journey with God and it's this paved road, right? And then it ends up on this mountain looking down. How did that person get up to that mountain? Well, only because they, they climbed, right? They said, okay, God, I'm going there. I'm gonna have faith. It doesn't take a whole lot of faith to go on a journey down a, a nice smooth road that's just flat out against you. It takes a lot more faith to climb that mountain. And God certainly brought the people out of Egypt through the Red Sea. No one even got their feet wet, right? It was just a miracle. God just brought them through. And then all of a sudden now there's this mountain to climb. And, and with God, with a journey with God, there's amazing things that happen. God provides but there's these beautiful views, but there's precipitous edges. If you've ever climbed, climbed a mountain, you're like, I'm not getting close to that edge. But that's the journey with God. God reveals and he wants us to respond. And there's dangerous pitfalls on the, on the life with God. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, God, there's this promise that Jesus says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. So there's an enemy of, of, of abundance. There's an enemy, Jesus wants to give us life and, and, and abundantly, but there's an enemy against that abundant life. Jesus gives us this, this uh, revelation of himself and then asks us, what are you gonna do about it? So here's a test. Is this, is this the poverty spirit? Is one of these shoes on the right or left the poverty spirit? Is, is this the poverty spirit or is this? What's the answer? We don't know because we don't know what's in that person's heart. Could just be a really comfortable pair of shoes, right? Uh, it could be this person is uh, really generous and giving, just happens to be a businessman who's got really shiny shoes. This is not an example of the poverty spirit you can't necessarily see the poverty spirit because it's somewhere else. It's hidden from view. But is this a better example of maybe what would be a sign of the poverty spirit? What would be a word that would describe this picture of someone who's got body language like this? What's a word? Despair. Despair. 
So, just, so the poverty spirit comes and it, and, it, and, it, and it wars against that abundant life that Jesus wants to give us. No one ever taught me this. No one ever taught me that I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel despair and no one ever taught me what to do about it. What to do when you feel despair, when you feel this incredible sense of lack, just like the Israelites are like, we're going back to Egypt. And not only that, but Joshua and Caleb, you guys are crazy and we're gonna get up there and we're gonna stone you. We're gonna, we're gonna take care of you. That's how mad they were. That's how despair they were. They were holding their, like, what did, what did you do? This is crazy. This is, this is not right. And what, is the, what does the enemy use? What is it? Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What's, this, what's, what's the enemy's weapon of choice? Well, it's many, but number one is he's a liar. And so the enemy through their sinfulness or whatever, was saying, you can't do it. You can't go up in that ground. You can't go into the promised land. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt something where you just feel completely like you, can, you have no resources to do it? And what happens is we despair. We despair when we sense that, but we don't understand that there's actually an enemy against us and he's pulling back, he's pulling back lies and he's shooting lies into a scarcity and then all of a sudden there's fear and we see that in the Israelites where they're totally afraid and we're like so afraid that they're going to kill Joshua and Caleb and the and the target of these arrows is the heart the target of these arrows is the heart because the heart is the seed of the mind and the emotions the the heart is the source of all of our energy in fact there's this really great proverb in Proverbs 4, guard your heart, guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. From it flows the springs of life. We have to guard our heart against the lies of the enemy, against the dishonesty of the enemy and the fear that the enemy stirs up because that's what happened to the Israelites. And that's what happens with us. It's no different. We are just the same collectively and individually as the Israelites were right back there in the wilderness. But if, if we know and we understand what God is doing, we can see it. We can know that even though the Israelites came out of Egypt, they had great riches and God did everything for them. Isn't that amazing? It's a story of God's people. God did everything for him. He gave them everything they need. But then there was something that he gave them to take. Something that he gave them to take because the promised was the promised land. The promise was the promised land, but he gave them the promised land and it was something, something that they had to take. And as we look at the history of the tabernacle and, and what God did and what God set up, he's incredible design. He provided for them in every way. He sent them out and he told them exactly where to go and what to do. And they came and they went up through, through the Holy Land, went up to the Sea of Galilee where Jesus ministered. And they came back and some said they could do it and some said they couldn't. Have you ever been given something that you didn't want to take? Have you ever looked at what God wants to give you and say, I don't understand that? Well, you're, you're in good company because... When they all got back, here's really the crux of the matter. Joshua and Caleb, or the other 10 guys, who was right. God, see, God's not gonna take something that he wants 
us to take. God's not gonna do something. In fact, as we were praying this morning, there was a quote in our group. The most important ability that God gives us is availability. Everyone say availability. We just have to be available. God says, will you do this? Will you trust me? Will you take this? I wanna give you this gift, but will you take it? And God's not gonna take something that is ours to take to reach the promised land. How does this how does this preach to us? We're here in America. We have so many freedoms. We live in Stewart. We live in a promised land. We do. There's so many good things that we have. People, billions and billions of people would, would, would love and pray to be a citizen of the United States of America, to live here in Stewart, Iowa, to live in an incredible school district. In fact, I was doing some research and our teachers get an, get an A. Let's, yeah, let's, yeah, come on, come on. Hey. They grade the teachers here in our school district with an A for education. And there's, there's lots of other ways that they look at a school district, but this school district that we live in is kind of our promised land and we're already here, right? We're already here, so we're like, what's the deal, Fritz? We're already in the promised land. So how does this story relate to us? Well, I think it's the 5,608 people that we know that many of those, even those people live in the promised land, they don't know Jesus or they may not have a church home. And so what if, what if our, our opportunity here together is to look at this abundance and say, oh my goodness, there's 231.8 square miles and there's 5,608 people. Look at that school district, it's huge. It's huge, it's like almost as big as Des Moines and Altoona put together. It's this huge school district and there's 5,608 people and there's 948 students in PK through 12, the student teacher ratio of 13 to one. What if, what if God wants us to see that those, these people here in the school district is in our promised land, but people who are there don't know Jesus? And what if he's given us everything we need and we just have to say, okay, God, will you multiply it? What's this? It's a building, right? Is this building the church? No, it's the tool. So he's given us this tool, he's given us this place, he's given us this history to reach the world in the West Central Valley School District. Amazing thing about God and this thing that he wants us to take is that God is really patient. He doesn't push. He doesn't push us, he just gives us the invitation. Go into all nations and preach the gospel and, and make disciples. That's the call, that's the commission. God doesn't push us, he invites us. That's an invitation to come and be a part of that. And because of planning, we brought all these kids in to the red shed and we can reach more if we have that vision together, if we know why we've been blessed and what we've been blessed by. But we have a choice. You know, we can choose to look at what we have as like everything that's lacking, or we can choose to say, what's in abundance? What's in abundance? I look around here, I see lots of incredible people that have incredible gifts. And what if we could say together, oh, hold on a second, I'll believe it when I see it? 
Does that sound like an abundant viewpoint? No, it doesn't. That sounds like it starts with a scarcity, kind of like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my hands behind my back and I'm gonna watch until someone else does it. What if God said, God said just like to the people, hey, go up into that, go up into that land that I've given you, but it's incredible about the promises of God. There's this, there's this catch. There's this catch, there's this thing that we have to take that God won't take for us, and it's right here. Whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. How do we fight? How do we fight the spirit of poverty? How do we do it even when we're in this place that's the promised land? We're already here, right? Well, I got a cute little video about how we can take some steps of faith. Is that cute up, Keith? Because this is a lot of times how we start walking for God and taking steps of faith. Let's take a look. Many times when we take steps of faith, it feels like that and we think, what is the point? But that's really what God wants us to take. God, what if God wants us to take this step of faith and there's three things that God wants us to look for as we take little steps of faith? And it's always gonna start with like, hey God, I, you can tell God that we don't think we have enough to do what it's gonna take, that's okay. Because if we're gonna build abundance in our life, if we're we're gonna go against poverty and scarcity, one of the worst things that we can do is to focus on that. So what what if this standpoint right here is actually what we can say? I'll believe it and then I'll see it. Let's say that together. I'll believe it and then I'll see it. That's a step of faith. That's what Joshua and Caleb were ready to do. There's always the opportunity. Did you know that God gives us opportunities every day to take steps of faith? Every single day. In fact, if we were to write down all the steps of faith we take, some are really normal, some are in Jesus' name. Just getting out on the road and expecting people to stay in their lane is a step of faith, right? But, but, but it's even more than that. Because if we could adopt this where we see that every step of faith, it might start out like a baby. Isn't that cute when they just like are just starting to walk? It's okay. We can just start with the truth that God wants us to take these steps of faith and there's these opportunities that he's gonna give us. And we have a desire, right? Every one of those little kids has a desire to walk. And like that little girl who was walked and she was so happy with herself. This is what steps of faith are like. This is like, I'm sure you're gonna hear this from Ben. Going down to Guatemala, he's gonna be amazed that he took a step of faith. And what happened? There's gonna be joy, there's gonna be incredible, incredible stories. And so here's, as we close, here's some scriptures that we can speak to ourselves. Let's read it together. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. That's a step of faith, right? How many things? All things. That's a step of faith that we can step into together. And one of, the, one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves in this, I can do all things in him who strengthens me, for every church out there, if it's been around for five years or 10 years or 150 years, the question for us is really this, will we reach the world or will we honor our traditions? The people in Israel who were facing this promised land 
It's like a catch, right? Because it's like, how are we gonna get up there and take this promised land? What are we gonna do? How are we gonna do that? That's not like a gift. Going through the Red Sea was a gift, right? They just went through on dry ground. But then there was this land, the amazing part of it was all ready for them to live in. It had vineyards and houses and all this stuff. But God said, just go up and take it. And they're like, how does that work? Well, it works by taking little steps of faith, individually, collectively, and together. And as we take that step of faith, we'll get more desire to do more. And pretty soon those little kids are walking and they don't even remember a time when they couldn't walk. Here's another scripture. And without faith, let's read it together. Without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's Hebrews eleven six. If we had time, I'd go through this whole chapter and read everything about it. But the end point that we can stop with is that God gives us the free will to say yes or to say no. The question of us together, collectively, internally, and as we go out is, will we say yes to this call that that God wants us to give us an abundant life in ourselves personally, and also wants that to bleed out into this area, into this promised land around us. Will we go? Let us pray. I wanna bring up the musicians as we pray and close out. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this place we're in, this building that has been stewarded for years as a tool to be an outpost for your kingdom, to be a sign and a foretaste of your goodness. And Father, we, we confess that you are God, you are our King. And for us to, to go out into this community and to think about the amazing opportunity we have to bless others, to work with you, Father, and to seek the lost, to seek those, to take steps of faith, to seek those who don't know you, to, for us to grow personally. Father, we know that there is a reward for this in heaven. We thank you, Father, for your love and grace and forgiveness, but we also know that there's a reward that if we seek you, with all our heart, we will find you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and pray the Lord's Prayer together as we, as we close. Because this is, uh, these are kind of our, our guide. And we're gonna see in there that this is, this is right from God's word. So as we speak God's word together, we might see something that is about abundance and scarcity. Look at, he gives us our daily bread. That's abundance, right? Forgive us our trespasses. That's abundant. And forgive those who trespass against us. If we don't do it, that's because of scarcity. Lead us not into the temptation, the temptation that we look around and we don't have enough, we don't have what it takes. Deliver deliver us from evil for His is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. We serve a good God with a good promise. We just have to say yes to go up and take the land. So let's pray the Lord's Prayer as we close together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. All right, have a great week and look for those opportunities to take little steps of faith.